If you would, uh, read with me Psalm 106. Psalm 106, and this is, this is a lengthy psalm. We're not going to go through all of it, but it's going to set the tone for us. So listen as I read Psalm 106. Praise the Lord, and give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his loving kindness is everlasting. Who can speak of the mighty deeds of the Lord, and who can show forth his praise? How blessed are those who keep, his, who keep justice, who practice righteousness at all times. And remember me, O Lord, in your favor towards your people. Visit me with your salvation, that I may see the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. That we have sinned like our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have behaved wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember your abundant kindnesses. But they rebelled by the sea, at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, nevertheless, he saved them for the sake of his name. That he might make his power. No. Thus he rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up, and he led them through the deep, um, through the through the deeps, as through the wilderness. And so he saved them from the hand of the one who hated them, and he redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their adversaries, and not one of them was left. <clears throat> then they believed his words, and they sang his praise. And they quickly forgot his works. And they did not wait for his counsel. But they craved intensely in the wilderness and tempted the God in the desert. So he gave them their request. But he sent a wasting disease among them. And when they became envious of Moses in the camp and of Aaron, the Holy One of the Lord, the earth opened up and swallowed up Dathan and engulfed the company of Abiram. And a fire blazed up in their company, and the flame consumed the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb, and they worshipped a molten image, and thus they exchanged the glory for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things, in Egypt, wonders in the land of Ham, and awesome things in the Red Sea. They forgot God, their Savior. In the book of Hebrews, on the opposite side of the spectrum, you have the writer of Hebrews saying this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and we find grace 
in time of need. All right. May God add blessing to the reading of his word. All right. We are in the middle of a, of a journey. And, and this summer, I, I, I have a personal project to study Paul, to do a lot of reading on Paul, and, and I'm going deep in his reading. But Galatians is a book that's going to open up the heart of Paul in, in a way. And so we're in this uh, theme <clears throat> that for the summer, as I'm praying for all of us, is I'm really interested in seeing how God sets you free. Setting your hearts free is the theme that we're, we're looking at in the book of Galatians. And today we're going to get into a, a particular topic that it's about the foundations of freedom. Uh, where does that freedom come from and, and how do you get into it? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. They have a long, they have, we have a long journey ahead of us, but it's good to go slow and deep. And so as we get into this, we're going to understand that there's no other foundation that is laid, Paul would say to the Corinthians, except Jesus Christ. And yet, as you get into these foundation stones, last week I left you with the story, it wasn't biblical, I made it up, where all the Jewish people who were in this temple from 2,000 years ago in Antioch, Pisidia, 80-some miles away, from the place that Paul is now in Galatia, with a story that the Jews were seeking Paul out to persecute Paul as Paul had persecuted the believers. Now Paul was the recipient of that. But they left this, uh, this temple concerned that they had to get rid of Paul. And so they went to find Paul and Barnabas, and the story was that they entered into the temple they entered into the market there in, 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 in uh, Lystra, trying to find this temple. And you remember the complaint was, all these Gentiles are coming into the temple. And all of a sudden, Paul had reached people up there in Antioch, and they came into the temple, and they said, Brother, brother, hey, it's good to fellowship with you. And the, the, the Jewish people would say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, who are you guys? And a number of Gentiles would come in, so there was a problem because they weren't going through the Jewish customs to handle the, the worship service. And so they're called Judaizers to make sure the Jewish way is kept clean. So I left that uh, story in your brain last week, and then I said at the end, the guy said, well, Paul was just here. And, and I, I, I go to that temple, and, and you're saying, I, I, uh, I shouldn't do this, and... Paul was really a, 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 a cult leader, a nutbag. He'd gone off the deep end. And so, and so that was the context we left with last week. And therefore, Paul comes in uh, knowing that there would be people in that temple who were tired of their culture, but they would seek out the Jewish religion because they thought that the God of Israel had something to offer that their religions didn't offer. And therefore, Paul would go to the temples because there were no churches. And so he's starting mission work from the ground up in the north, north part of Galatia where the Celtic, the Celtic people would conquer 300 years earlier. So these were tough people. They weren't necessarily Romanized. They had a different language. And so Paul would go in 
the Jewish person, when the Gentile thing, uh, that when the Jewish person, when the Gentile would go into the temple, the Gentile seeking God would learn what all Jewish people learn. And what they would learn is called the Shema. And this is the opening of the day, and this is the closing of the day. When you would hear a Gentile say, well, I have to learn to pray, well, you've got to start with the Shema. And so this is central, central to all, the, all of Israel's thinking because it's this, it's this that's going to ground and hold the Jewish faith. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so the Gentiles would have to learn this new approach, this new style, but they're going to be in the learning mode. But this comes out of Deuteronomy 6.4. And so Moses would teach as they left Egypt that the God of Israel, the one who brought you out of Egypt and into the Exodus and into the promised land, over and over, every day, every day, they would open and close. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And there's a lot of things in the, in, the, in the Jewish faith that they would have to pick up. They'd pick up the Sabbath rest. They'd pick up the dietary laws. They'd pick up the covenant. They'd pick up the circumcision. But they'd also pick up these various symbols. And this symbol in particular, the menorah, uh, represents to the Jewish uh, community the very essence of who this God is. And the essence is that the light of the menorah, that center light, is God himself. It's a symbol that all the people around that light would become lit or enlightened or illuminated to be the nation of Israel. But it had a purpose, and that purpose was to have a mission to reach the nations. From Egypt to Babylon to Persia to Assyria, this call for the Jew was to reach the nations. So you're in this context as we're in the book of Galatians, and I want to take you back. I want to take you back to see the similarity between these two men, and Moses, as they're getting into a situation where they're, they're trying to equip people to understand the Lord in such a way that uh, they're going to reflect that light. And so this... Uh, this comparison between Moses the prophet and Paul the prophet. Paul would be very familiar as, as a man who's steeped uh, in Jewish learning. He, he would cut his book on the Pentateuch, the first five books. And so what happens in Galatia, I'm sure, was triggered in Paul's mind when he would read the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, you know in Exodus 20... Uh, that that uh, Moses gave the Ten Commandments. And again, I'm not going through the Ten, but the one that he said I'm going to highlight is, you shall have no other gods before me. Shema. The Lord is one. The Lord is one. This monotheistic God of Israel was not a local tribal God, so they had to learn that. And this is the painting done by uh, Rennie. This was in Rome. 
There's one kind of like that in, uh, in the National Gallery in Washington. But uh, this is a famous, famous story all the way through. So let me remind you, and for some people in our generation, we have forgotten the story. So let me go back. Moses gives the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. Fast forward now 12 chapters. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and they said to him, Come, make us a God who will go before us. And as for this, Moses, not really having a personal acquaintance, this some, he's nowhere, this Moses guy we hardly ever see, this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do know what, We do not know what has become of him. And so Aaron said to them, Tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. And that's what Aaron did. All the people broke, tore off their gold rings which were in their ears, and they brought them to Aaron. And he took them. First mistake. And he fashioned it with a graving tool and made it into a molten calf. There was probably a wooden shape of a calf, and then they would overlay it with his gold, melted gold, and they made it into a calf. And they said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now when Aaron saw this, he built that altar. And he made a proclamation, says, tomorrow we're going to party. We're going to have a festival. We're going to have a feast to the Lord. So the next day they rose early and they offered burnt offerings and they brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and, to ro- uh, and rose up to play. This was a celebration. This was a great time to get together to have a, a family time and a, a gathering. But you'll see that this image is in the churches, at least in Rome and Venice, you'll see Jacopo Tintoretto. You see this this image of a golden calf. I don't know what the woman in blue is. This is the European influence coming in. But, But this was Aaron's error. You shall have no other gods. And yet he made this image. Now, This problem here is the same problem in Galatia. And the problem, to give it a name, is called syncretism. You know what that means? Big word. So now you can go out and say, I've been educated. I learned something new. And so this syncretism is the combination of different forms, the merging of different beliefs, different faiths, different expressions. And so... When you bring it all together, it's a tossed salad kind of thing. And so, but the word means sin, like S-Y-N, together, like symphony or uh, synonymous. But the Cretism comes from the island of Crete. Because in the, the island of Crete, when the cities would get together, they would get together to fight an enemy. And so that's where the word comes from. It means you're going to bring everything together to resist. And that's what happened. Israel brought together to be strong, but in they went into the promised land, Deuteronomy says, that God drives out before you the nations, Israel. 
you're going to have enemies, and so you better get together and be strong as one people. Shema. Hero Israel, the Lord is one. My people are to be one. But I'm going to drive out the Hittites, the Girgasites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Mosquito Bites. Wait a minute. Seven nations larger and stronger than you. Do not intermarry with them, and do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, because they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and he will swiftly destroy you. And if you haven't read the Old Testament, remember that the 12 tribes of Israel were destroyed. The northern kingdom lost all 10 tribes, and the southern kingdom had two. The only tribe that was left was Judah, where we get the word Jewish from the tribe of Judah. And so what they, they did was they forfeited by mixing with the nations. They forfeited their identity. That's what's going on in Galatia. And so these two... Uh, would have the problems all the way through the Old Testament. Like Psalm 106 says, they forgot their God. Hosea would say, they turned away from me. And although I trained them and I strengthened their arms, and yet they devised evil against me, they turn, but not upward. They're like a deceitful bull. And therefore, the problem is that when you have this mixing of faiths and the mixing of cultures, uh, as Hosea would go on to say that Ephraim, another word for Israel, Ephraim mixes himself with the nations. And to mix himself, he has become like a cake not turned. God can't finish the work because he's got all this other stuff. He's been ruined. Strangers devour his strength, yet he does not know it. Gray hairs are also... uh, spirited upon him, sprinkled upon him, and yet he does not know it. Though the pride of Israel testifies against him, they have not returned to the Lord. So the story of the Old Testament is God would do this, and people would walk away over and over again. And that became the root of a lot of the conflicts that are still going on today. Because the Jewish people would always resist the nations because they understood they're going to be in trouble if they get involved. And so, But there's a warfare going on. There's a warfare still going on. If you go to Israel today, many of the Jewish people do not see the Arabs as equals. Only 20% think that they have a right to be recognized. But here's the promise in Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Again, but Moses would say they have acted, they have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside from the way uh, which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf. They have worshipped it, and they have sacrificed to it. And they said, this is your God. That tendency is in the human spirit. It's not Israel's problem. It's my problem. It's your problem. 
Moses is just revealing. And so Joshua and Moses mountain, they're down there getting ready and having a festival. And so Joshua and Moses come off the mountain. And when Joshua heard the sound of the people shouting, he said to Moses, there's a sound of war in that camp. And Moses said, no, no, it's not the sound of the cry of triumph. That's not the, the war triumph victory sound. No, it's not that. It's not the sound of, of defeat either. Listen, it's, they're singing. They're worshiping. Well, that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, Israel's worshiping. So Joshua and Moses continued to go down the mountain. And guess what? As it came about, when Moses got closer, as soon as he came near the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger burned. Burned. Because he just spent time with Yahweh, El Shaddai, the glory of God on the mountain. And Moses knew that this little molten calf was receiving all the worship. So he took the calf which they had made, and he burned that wooden calf covered with gold. And he ground it to powder, and he scattered it over the surface of the water, and he made the sons of Israel drink it. Strange sentence. Why would he do that? What happens when you put something in your body? It leaves the body. And you say, this is worthless. They were trying to send a message that this calf worship is rubbish. Or other words, I'm going to keep. But he said he took the calf, and, but his anger burned. And then he turned to Aaron, and he said to his, his, his brother Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought upon such great sin? Well, this is similar to the story that's happening now in Galatia. Paul comes down from the mountain, as it were, and he's coming into the temple, and he says, I am shocked. I am not just astonished, like, oh, wow. It's, like, it's, it's, it's a very strong word, like getting a, a report from the doctor that you just weren't expecting. This is the opposite. And you're paralyzed, stunned, but there's a burning anger and indignant. You've got to be kidding. And so Moses thinks, Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And they forgot that. And so this light of the menorah, this light that Christ would represent to be the people of God, to have the mission to be the light to the nations, something had shifted. Remember when, when they were in Egypt, they picked up a lot of the Egyptian cultures. They mixed with the nations. And so in Egypt and Israel, the Gentiles, they tried to influence the Jews to leave their God, and they did. Now in Galatia, it's just the opposite. You've got the Judaizers who were distorting the Gentile faith. And so there's a lot of confusion. They were coming after Paul because they thought that Paul was wrong. Paul had deserted his faith. Paul was syncretized. Paul was mixed with the nations. And what 
you got to keep in mind was this Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, and the Lord is one. When you read this as a Jewish person back then, here's the way I think. Now, this is interpretation on my part. Here's what I think they think, thought. Hear, O Israel, struggler, one who contends with the Lord. That's what Israel means. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one for us. Instead of hearing, hear, O nations, the Lord is your God. The Lord is one. And the difference of those two are so far apart that they would forget to be a light to the nations. They were claiming, this is my God. Don't you mess with my God. So when Paul came to give the message, they got into an argument. Now here's another big word that you guys don't use, nor do I. This was an argument that's ad hominem, which means I'm going to shoot the messenger. I don't like what you're saying, therefore I'm going to attack you. And this argument means that if I don't agree with you, I can dismiss what you're saying by pointing out one of your faults. And therefore, Paul presents the gospel. The Judaizer says, no way. And then they go on to attack Paul. And what they said to Paul is, Paul is not an apostle. Paul is illegitimate. Uh, You don't have to listen to Paul. He's misleading you because he's not good. He's no longer authorized in the rabbinic system. He He didn't get the approval to leave Jerusalem from those guys. Therefore, He's mutating the message. The problem is Paul. The problem is Paul. And therefore, you don't have to listen. You don't have to convert to Judaism to get, uh, you don't have to listen to Paul because Paul is offering an illegitimate, a wrong promise. He's saying things that shouldn't be said because he says it's going to be based on this Messiah. If you follow that, you're in a cult. It's not good. And they attack Paul by saying, he's just trying to make it easier for you. He's trying to win you over. He's marketing it to make a discount faith that you can get in cheaply. Cheap grace. You don't have to do all the things that we Jewish people do. And Paul will come back and say, yeah, but the message is not me. I'm just the messenger. The message is what Jesus said. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am not here to show you how to live your life. I'm not here to show you the way. I'm not here to point to the truth. I am. And therefore, Paul was saying, you've got to be connected to Christ. And so he would say, you guys are worshiping the wrong thing. Now, if Moses were to walk into Galatia, think about that. Moses said to Aaron, what did you do to those people? Or what did this people do to you? So Paul would say to the believers, what did these Judaizers do to you? You're being influenced by this group. And then he says, I'm just amazed. I'm so quickly, 
as Moses said, so quickly you made this calf. So quickly you desert Christ who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you, and they want to distort the gospel. Well, this is a warning. Paul begins the message with the strongest of warnings. Now, we have different degrees of warnings when you hear the, the, uh, the news, uh, news forecasters talk about, as, as, uh, as Andre would say, uh, there's a gale warning, there's a storm warning, and then there's a hurricane force warning. And it's, it's a one thing to say, uh, it's going to be a little bad. Uh, it, you better hunker down. But this and this one is really bad. It's not just disturbing and distorting. This is destructive. This is disrupting. And so if Moses would come and say to the Judaizers, in the New Testament, he would say this, maybe, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting the Shema, and you're deserting your purpose to be the light to the nations. You are not worshiping him who called you by the grace of Christ, but you want to worship a golden calf gospel, which is really not another. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is also the God of all the nations. And you got it wrong. You are demanding them to do it your way. This distorts the message of Christ. You need to do it his way. Hear, O Israel. Moses wouldn't be the only one who signaled that strong warning. Jesus himself, if you don't understand the, the weight, and this is what I want you to feel this is serious stuff on a Sunday morning for us in Chesterland. But back then, Jesus would say this, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Can you think how heavy that millstone is? You can't get a stronger warning. Jesus said that. But Paul would say it this way. If we, Barnabas, Luke, Timothy, any of us, if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a, con a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is accursed. Damn. Anathema. He's not going to, there, there's going to be a millstone with his name on it. And therefore, as we have said, and I say again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he's accursed. And in the Jewish thinking, if you say something once, it's, oh, it's a warning, pay attention. But if you hear it saying twice, that's the italics, underlined, bold print. Truly, truly, I say to you. And, they're and so you're accursed, you're accursed. And so their ears went right up. Paul would even go on to say in Corinthians, if I preach a different gospel, if I, 
if I have nothing to boast of or I'm simply under compulsion, I don't have a choice. This is the message. It's not me. For you understand that here if I don't preach the gospel. Therefore, you understand that here comes Paul. And just like in Jerusalem, when Jesus said to the, those people who rejected him, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which kill the prophets and stone them that are sent to you. You see, Israel forgot their God. The Galatians were about to forget their Messiah. Even today, if you go to Israel, only 0.03% of Israel believe in Christ the Messiah. And therefore, the point that I want you to hear as you get into Galatians is this message. Why is this message really so fiery for Paul as it was for Moses? Why is that so important? Well, it's because the testimony of Scripture is this, that there are appointments that you're going to keep. And one is the appointment uh, as a result of when you come to the death. Jesus would say, I have come as a light into the world so that everyone, Jew and Gentile, everyone who, who, that's the King James, whosoever, believes in me, will not remain in darkness. If anyone hears Shema, if anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I don't judge them. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. And he who rejects me does not receive my sayings. He has one who judges him. And the words that I speak will judge him at the last day. You see, the seriousness that's going on is that there is a judge, an appointed judge. As Jesus said, there is one. There is an appointed Messiah. As God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that everyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And again, the follow-up for that which people forget God didn't send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. And therefore, the work of the Savior is to bring about salvation, to remove that judgment. But whoever does not believe has been condemned because he has not believed. There's an appointed judge, there's an appointed Savior, there's an appointed time. And just as men are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of the Gentiles, to bear the sins of the nations, to bear the sins of the Jewish people, to bear the sins of my sins. And to believe that Jesus Christ died is history, but to believe that he died for me is salvation. Therefore, humanity is facing judgment. And Paul's, Paul's concern is not just about this little group in Galatia. His concern is much bigger. He's fighting for the gospel that honors the Messiah. And therefore, you've got to keep in mind that the world is still dying without Christ. This COVID virus 
hit as of June 10th, 2020, the death toll has surpassed, if you're keeping up with the news, every war since the U.S. troops who have been killed in every war since the Korean War. People are dying and still going into eternity, lost. And no one's sharing with them the good news. When Jesus would say, though, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am your salvation. And therefore, as you get into the book of Galatia, you've got a turmoil, a a, a situation that's either going to turn totally into a syncretic, mixed gospel where people get confused. But there's one clear message from the Lord. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O nations. The Lord, our God, is one. And therefore, no one, no one comes to the Father but through me. If you don't believe that, you stand under that warning of following a golden calf gospel. Paul was in a fight, and the fight that Paul was in was for the gospel of salvation. He wasn't just concerned about the salvation of of himself. He was clear in that. He was fighting for your faith, for my faith. But when he would say, when Jesus would say, he who has ears, let him hear. Hear the Shema. And therefore, the light of the menorah is the symbol that we say, we have a light to share with you. And that's our foundation. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Gentiles. Hear, O nations. Jesus is the foundation of our faith. Jesus is the foundation, then, of our freedom. And you guys are walking away from it. Next week, we're going to continue this with a different twist. And the question is this. If Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, well, how about all those other faiths? Are, are they illegitimate? I mean, I mean, you can't. this kind of an arrogant sentence. You have the only way to be born again. You have to get, well, it's kind of rude of you. To, how do you talk to people when you have the Shema, you have the gospel, you have the risen Christ, and people saying, I don't believe that. They're written by men. You don't have to believe that. Next week, we're going to look at how do you communicate this? Because Paul was interested in helping the people learn how to pass that on to the Jews first and to the Gentiles. Okay, let's stop here, put it on pause. We'll continue next week. But listen, this is the foundation of our faith. It's what you really believe about who he says he is what he came to do, and then how it affects you. And you can fight not only for your faith, but fight for the faith of others.